Well, happy Friday to you, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's Friday, the 18th of August, 2023. TGIF, as they like to say, I know a lot of you are back to school and getting all excited about that, but uh, finishing up your early weeks of this year, and I hope everything's going smoothly for you. All right, it's always always a special time of the year. And, And for those of you who aren't back yet, you'll be back soon. Okay, it's all good stuff. And again, it's Friday, so we look forward to a good weekend. All right, Uh, this is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. And as you know, it's the Voice of the American Consortium for Equity in Education. And everything we do is over at ace-ed.org. That's our home website. And they go over there. Everything is free for you over there. We have all the podcasts listed. You can listen to anyone you wish. Okay, just go into the just. Click on the link and go into it, all right? And also, our magazine over there is called Equity and Access. You'll see the cover highlighted on the website. Just click on it. You you can see that we have back issues there, but the new issue is up there, and it's a very, very fine issue, and I hope you all enjoy it that we put it out there, okay? As we're the only ones, the only media that really focuses on equity and access 100%. So uh, we love what we do. We love bringing it to you. We also have our Excellence in Equity Awards, and there is a, a tab over there. And I hope that you'll go over, check that out, nominate your colleagues, companies you love, um, anybody who's working in equity, including, I might add, yourself. Okay, you feel like you're doing a great job. Don't be shy. You'll learn how to do it. It's free, again, for educators. Again, everything's there over at ace-ed.org. And on today's show, I'm going to bring her on right now, because we were supposed to do this show on uh, on Monday, but unfortunately, we had a slight tech glitch here at our platform. So we move this show with Melissa Turnbaugh to Friday. Hi, Melissa. It's 8 a.m. in Texas. How you doing? <laughs> I'm great. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, we in, uh, this, in this life, we can be flexible. Well, I appreciate that. I really do, because I was really looking forward to talking to you. Okay. Melissa is, I want to get this straight, she is a partner for National Education and Innovation at the architectural firm PBK. And PBK, okay, I just want to read this to you, and it's pbk.com, so it's pretty easy to uh, do that, but uh, to, to get there. And you should. It's really cool stuff. And you'll see on the very first page, they have pictures of schools that they've done and worked with, etc. And I have to ask you a question. Okay, I was, I was really looking at the site today, Melissa. There's a gentleman listed here named Terry Worcester. Do you know him? Um, I, I kind of know him. Well, the reason I'm asking the question, okay, it has him listed. I'm, I'm, it's about Round Rock, Texas, and I'm doing a, a show yeah. next week with the Round Rock Independent School District, but it has him listed as chief operating officer. Is Mr. Worcester, or Ms., I don't know, actually, uh, is, is Terry Worcester, okay, the COO of Round Rock Independent Schools? I, it, you know, I have to... I'd have to look. Um, our our great team out of Austin focuses on the the great team at Round Rock, but um, I, be- I believe I believe it is it is a great school district and a growing one. Um, yeah. And so yeah, and so we're fortunate to be working with them um, on on a number of, of projects and <clears throat> and so yeah, I'll, I can get you he more information be. on him. Yeah, he must be, just listed here, and it struck me interesting, uh, he must be the COO of your team, because he's an architect. 
Okay, he's the C, must be the CEO of your team that's working at Round Rock. Is the, the only way I can figure this out. Find out, but I'm just curious the way it's listed here on the website. Yeah. You know? I All right, I'll that. look. And I have to read a quote. Listen to this from the Business Journal about PBK. By far the largest and most energetic educational architecture firm. Okay, that's who we're talking about today. Okay. And Melissa, you're the partner for national education and innovation. Just tell us about your job. Real, what, what do you do? That's fun. Sure. I have a, I have yeah. a great job. Um, I'm yeah, so thankful. Do. I, um, so I am an architect, but my focus is to really look at where education is going and looking at innovation, not only in kind of technology, the built environment, but also um, applying research um, about what are the best practices so that we can design learning environments to meet the needs of all students? So I love, I love mm. your podcast and kind of radio show. I love oh, what you guys you. are doing and getting the thank word you. out because this is so critical that as we really start to identify all of the different attributes that impact student learning that haven't maybe been as acknowledged or recognized yeah. in the past, um, we can now apply those to the built environment. And so it's an, as the largest education firm in the country, we have an obligation to make sure that we're applying this research and really bettering the environments for, for students, but also for teachers. You know, right now we're in a time where um, we're oh, having yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, teacher shortages. This is their right. work environment, too. And That's so right. things that are really well beneficial said. for students are also great for teachers. Yeah, and that is so well said because, we, you know, I remember, I, I don't know, I grew up in Philadelphia, and the schools I went ah. to for the most part were very old, okay? And yeah. that was expected back then, everybody, you know, the, you know, my father went to, went, it was old when my father went to Overbrook High School, let alone <laughs> me, okay? And you know, right. to give you an example, okay? And, you know, but it, it was an old-time school, but times have changed. All right. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're not happy in your job and going to work in a nice place, you're not going to you're not going to stay there. It's that simple. That's OK. Right. And, That's right. and I, the fact that you said that, that designing a school has to take the educators in mind beyond just the academic side of it, I think is an extremely important point these days. And I was just talking. This is interesting, too. I was just talking to the National Association of Secondary School Principals on the phone the other day. OK, and they're concerned about chronic absenteeism. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, why are kids absent from school? They're absent from school for many reasons. But one of them is that they're not happy in the environment. If kids mm -hmm. are happy in the environment and engaged in the environment, if the school's a happy, well-lit, air-conditioned, well-heated place that's healthy with right. nice bathrooms, et cetera, they're, they're going to want to be in school. Okay? It's a good, it becomes right. a good place. And all the work that you guys do, I hope I'm not stealing your thunder here, but I love what you no, do. No, I, mean, I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really, to me, extremely important. And, and I'm curious, as you talk to school districts these days, and I know you're working in Texas. For, well, you work just in Texas or are you working all over the country? No, no. I'm, I, we work, I'm, our firm is in, we're honored to be in Texas, California, um, Georgia, Florida. We have now a project we're excited about in Virginia. So, oh, good. so we are kind of coast to coast, but yeah, I, I do reside in Houston. And you used to reside in New Mexico, if I remember correctly. That's, that be correct? There you go. That's, there that's you right. go. We talked the other day. Okay. 
<laughs> we know. So any state, any state can call PBK and uh, and, and talk right. to them about that. And, and uh, McCoy, when you go into this, okay, are mm-hmm. school districts, superintendents, school boards? That's where the money comes from. Okay, they have to be careful with the money. Okay, do they mm-hmm. understand how important this is these days? How this has all changed? You know, the one of the things education always fights is that, well, I went through the school and it was like this, so why can't the kids just live with that? Okay, it's a standard. Sure. You know, we, yeah, and it, you know, because everybody went through it 30 years ago. Times change, <laughs> all right? So when, you go, right. So, but when you go in to talk to a school board or, or, or a superintendent in his cabinet or her cabinet, okay, uh, what are you hearing as you talk about the different needs of educational architecture these days? I'm just curious sure. as, I, as you get that's in there. A, that's a, a great question. I think um, <clears throat> there is a much larger recognition. I mean, there, of course, I think we all have that sometimes of, well, I did it and I turned out okay, <laughs> um, right? That sentiment. But I think, and this is well, again, I did it and I research. did turn out okay. So there, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, but I think this is where leveraging research. So it's not just a passionate person, but it's it's actually bona fide research that can bring to the table and show statistics of by making some of these micro or macro changes, what kind of outcomes you can and can expect. And and the outcome um, can be things from, you know, if you plant trees outside of a window of your classroom, students' math um, and science scores go up. That's pretty low hanging wow. fruit, but if you're a, yeah, exactly. But if you're aware of it, then it changes how you operate and then you get with your maintenance and operations team and you say, Hey, it's really important we have those trees, it's helping education. Similarly, I mean, we obviously COVID has put a lot of attention on indoor air quality, but also temperature, you right. know, are are you balancing your schools in such a way that kids are comfortable because and so they're not worried about being hot or being cold and not focused and engaged? Um you know, natural light, we talked, a, you talked a little bit about it, but, you know, what, what is the environment of the room and are kids able to stay focused? I'm a huge advocate for getting kids outside. I think if yeah. good things yeah. came out of COVID, it was that you can learn anywhere. And so getting kids outside, but if they do, they're not only more engaged and have longer attention in their class, but they're physically healthier, <clears throat> they're emotionally healthier, um, they have less behavioral issues. So again, if you can bring the research forward um, to to school districts, it it kind of arms them with the information they need to make those decisions. And um, this has been such a kind of a, a passion and for us that we actually just recently started a nonprofit in this year. Oh. It's called Learn, the Learning Environments Action Research Network. And we've brought in. Okay. Thank you for another acronym. Group. We all appreciate that. Yes. Thank you, ladies. Yes, we've been running <laughs> yeah. short of acronyms. Thank you. That's good. I know, no, right? Go ahead. Yeah. I know. No, but it's so true. Yeah, it's good. But the the heart behind it is is this exact thing. Is is there's so much research out there, but we don't have necessarily easy access to it. And so the thought was, is that if we can help, kind of be a. Um, a database to curate research and, and oh, free great. open access distribution to districts to help them and support them in making decisions in a variety of categories, not just necessarily the built environment. And so this group is made up of, you know, environmentalists and educators and researchers and architects and a very diverse group 
with the heart of really how can we overall um, help districts and help students in better better learning. And so um, it's something, again, this is important for us, but it's also hopefully helping school districts make informed decisions on you know, the either aging infrastructure or new facilities that they're cool. building and designing. Is it up here on the website? I am on the website. I'm going to ask you some more. It's, yeah, it's go, is it there? golearntoday.org. Um, it's a nonprofit, um, and it Where has a it? website. I don't, I don't see. It must www, be here somewhere. Yeah, oh, oh, okay. it's own website. Golearntoday.org. Thank you. I'll mm -hmm. try to remember to put that up on sites. Yeah, no, www.golearntoday.org. Thank you. I'm going to try to exactly. remind me to do that. Send me an email after this is done. And remind me to do that. I'll put it up there. Okay. You know, I'm curious about this. And by the way, I went on your website here to let me just make this point. You are the partner for national education and innovation. And there's an innovation yes. tab on the PBK website. Okay. And so I went there. All right, and I want to talk to you about something in particular. First of all, I never heard this word in my life, okay, before I get into what I really want to talk about, but this is biophilic, biophilic yes. design. What does that yes. – it's cool. I'm looking at the picture, picture of a painted tree taking up the entire ceiling of a classroom. It's unbelievable, okay, but what does biophilic – I've never seen that word before. Sure. By, so biophilic uh, – by, by the way, Melissa, I know another big word, delicatessen. <laughs> Different than biophilia, definitely oh, okay. different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just didn't want so, you to outdo me in big words today. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. well, hey, now that you can add this one, you can add I feel this like one. I'm doing the national your... national spelling bee, Melissa. Biophilic. <laughs> Go ahead. There you go. You can add this to your lexicon. Yes. So, biophilic design is the um, kind of recognition and acknowledgement of kind of our, as, as human beings, our kind of drive and passion to nature. And so it is Whoa. bringing nature into our environments. And so it's using natural elements. So it might physically be, you know, replicating trees and stones. It's patterns, um, you know, fractal patterns in, in nature, you know, from, you know, tree canopies, um, how cool. moss this grows. Picture. It's materials, you know, using natural materials from woods and wow. stones and rubbers. So it's, but in turn, the biophilic design has shown to help set, provide a sense of calming. I think, you know, again, this uh, kind of our draw to nature. And so if we can bring that into um, our design and into sure. the built environment, then we're now helping. One, it's it's beautiful, and I think we're naturally yeah, drawn it to it. Um, but we're but it's also helping re reduce you know stress and reduce anxiety. And so you had talked about at the very beginning of you know getting kids to school and and yeah. you know how important that is. Again, yeah. if they if school is a calming place and a place they feel secure right. and comfortable, you know, under the canopy of a tree, um, they're more likely to be engaged. They're more likely to show up. Um, and then obviously be uh, you know edu well educated and 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 successful and so um, biophilia is is one of the ways that that we are um, are encouraging you know encouraging that and doing that so um, and, you know it's interesting the word I, I realized that as you were talking you defined it okay but it's like bibliophile a book lover this is biophilic it's the same basic kind mm -hmm. of root okay that's it's, right it's nature like lover a, a, like nature lover. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, right. everybody loves nature. 
You know, I don't. That's right. It's really cool. Biofuel. I never saw the word before. Thank you for that. Yeah. And if you go, yeah. you go over to innovation at pbk.com, you're going to see this picture that I'm looking at of the school with a giant tree painted onto the ceiling. It's really cool. All right. Yeah. I want to ask you about what's uh, over here to the uh, left of that particular picture uh, is inclusive school design is a moral imperative for educators. Now, we feel the same right. way because we're the American right. Consortium for Equity in Education. Right. And you use the word inclusive, same as kind of equity. We want to make sure that every kid has the right environment and the education that they in particular deserve. Okay. That's what we're trying to do is to kind of make it, make it, make it great for every kid. Okay. And right. just talk about, and again, this is under innovation. You're the partner for innovation in education. Okay. Talk about right. what you're doing with that. When you say an inclusive school design, all right. right. So just talk about it. I'll let you go with it. You, you know what you mean. Great. Better than um, I do. So, you're on. Yeah. So inclusive. So, you know, I think um, we have, you know, historically schools have been desi- designed for one kind of learning style. Sit, yes, prison be learning. Yes, to, I went through that for digest. 12 years. Yes, yeah. Exactly. It, yeah. It, now with the, diff- the acceptance of different learning, not only styles, but also neurodiversities that students are coming to mm-hmm. the environment, they learn not only in different ways, and so we have to provide built environments for students that learn kinesthetically, that learn visually, that learn, and, so, and teachers, obviously, they are the most critical piece of this puzzle because no matter what kind of wonderful environments hmm. are designed, the teachers have to be the implementers and the you know facilitators in this environment. And so... We obviously want to design environments that support them and the different learning styles, but the way we're doing it um, is we're, one, creating a lot more diversity in learning spaces. So, again, there's larger spaces, there's flexible spaces for, you know, groups and breakouts, but also for the students that learn better with one-on-one or in smaller environments. They might have anxiety, a lot, having a lot more pull-out spaces for small group instruction and collaboration, you know, um, quiet nooks in libraries so that if students are overwhelmed by the amount of noise or, or mm-hmm. you know, yeah. kind of population that they can retreat. So I think one is a variety in spaces. And then also the customization of space. So we talked earlier about, you know, the importance of light and the importance of you know temperature, um, but also the controllability of those. So again, maybe if you know if, if students are struggling with sensory or autism, that you might be able to tailor the classroom not only with flexible furniture that allows you to you know, ah, again create, yes. move and and let the students have some ownership of their space, but also you know can you dim the lights? Can you change the environment? Are there textures? You know, we just finished a, a pre-K school um, here in Houston, and it's four-year-olds. And, and, you know, they're struggling when they're coming <laughs> in. This is a lot of times their first time coming to school. And so we put sure. textures on the walls and the corridors to help is not only wayfinding, but also to help ease some of their anxiety and tension so that they can run their hands along the wall and engage with the building, but also help provide some calming. So, again, it, there's a lot of different applications and ways to do it, but, um, and I think we're also seeing a lot more sensory rooms where it's, it's a quiet retreat for, you know, kids that might be, again, struggling or just any student that is elevated. They can go into this space and then they have, 
you know, a water wall or a swing hmm. or a kind of a calming space to reset, nature is another great place because we're doing sensory gardens outside where, again, it's, it's providing that same kind of reset that's good for all students. So back to the inclusive discussion, but it's especially good for those students that might be, um, you know, challenged or struggling in, in, in any facet, whether that be physically or emotionally. And so it's, it's a space where, you know, you can smell, you can taste, you can, you know, um, have a sensory past with different t textures. There's, you know, um, auditory, whether it be just from nature and the sounds of birds or actually kind of, you know, hmm. chimes. So it's an exciting well, time well. because I know I'm, I think to myself so often, I need this in my, my daily environment. Exactly. I think, you know, I, I wonder exactly. if I would yeah. be even more successful. But the tailor has the baggiest pants. Just remember that. The tailor <laughs> right? has the baggiest pants. Yeah. Yes. Sure. But I think it's, if anything we can do to point. change and help the environment for these kids and their long days, you know, they're going to school for a long time. And so if, if they aren't, if their needs aren't met in this environment, it is really uncomfortable for a majority of their week, and that's hard. And so I think that's hard. an awesome opportunity that we have to help create that and then help support curriculum instruction for utilizing that um, to best serve their kids. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm thinking you went to school to become an architect, and here you are. You're very expert. You sound very expert. I know you put a lot of time into education. Yeah. All right. And, oh, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing how much you know and how much you're talking about today because you're an architect. OK, but you have to understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to understand what goes into the buildings you're you're designing. I, I, it's very thanks. impressive. I, I have to tell oh, you, thanks. it's really something, you know. And uh, so let me ask you, you know, all this is great. and It's beautiful. And again, I'm looking at these at these uh, photos on the website. Everything's just beautiful. Um, oh, I'm going to use where I went to school. OK, in Philly. Okay, Philly's got a lot okay. of new schools, but it's got a lot of old schools, too. It's a big urban city. Okay, let's just sure. call it that. We can use any urban city you want. I don't care. St. Louis, whatever. All right. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Detroit. I don't care who. All right. The point is, when you go in there, with the, with the, can, do they have the wherewithal? I don't mean the, the intelligence. Do they have the budgets? Can, how do we... How do, how do we work with the, the, the older schools in the country that may sure. be in poorer areas, okay? But the mm -hmm. kids need this. It's time for a change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the old Fram oil filter. You can pay me now or they, or they pay later, okay? we mm -hmm. got to get this right. It's about time, for God's sakes, all right? We didn't have right. it right for a long time. So well, what are you hearing from the bigger urban districts? I, I, you know, just you know where I'm going with this question. Sure. Yeah, there's such you know, an inequity think, in, in a lot of these places. I'm just curious what's well, going on with that. And, yeah. and often what's so hard is that the places where there's the inequity is where sometimes there's the biggest need. Um, and so it's a double, a double challenge. I think, um, yeah, our country has so much aging infrastructure. We're, you know, we're fortunate in Texas. We're building a lot of new facilities, but that is not the case for a majority of the country. And so um, I think that you can make micro and macro changes. Micro changes can be things that are small moves. You know, I talked about get, getting kids outside. That is the lowest putting hanging trees. fruit. It's you the, said putting in trees, I mean, which yes, is a great some, idea. Plant some trees. Yeah. Get, have, you know, have parents or parents want to be involved in their kids' school. Have a community day of action and come in and plant a few trees and some bushes. People feel invested in their community. 
create safe spaces for kids to go outside, that's the easiest. And it can be simple as, hey, go outside during lunch. It doesn't have to just be for elementary school kids in recess. You know, this middle school kids need to go outside. Yes. You know, high school kids yes, need to go do. outside. So that that is the most economical kind of square footage and probably one of the most kind of impactful in terms of health attention. Um, I, I was in a, a conference in Georgia, and someone came up to me and said they had some kids that were just unruly in the classroom, and they wanted to take a field trip to go outside and do some science work. They ended up doing so, and those same unruly kids were the most engaged, asking questions. But it's because they got out of their usual you know, environment, and all of a sudden they're engaged. So I'd say that would be something to do. Again, you can do small things within the, within the school, change classroom furniture, a classroom at a time to give kids ownership of their, and, and teachers ownership of their environment. But also what I've found in, in our own work of doing this is there are a lot of um, organizations that are happy and hungry to help. And so I would say the, the people in your community, businesses that are in your backyard, lean on them to see how they can be engaged. Not only does this help sometimes with mentorship or internships, but also financially. Um, then you have community partners that if you have a huge need, maybe they can help you. I've seen it really successfully in career and technical education where uh, your local automotive dealer yeah. is now helping supply you know, cars or lifts. Um, but I think that can apply for any facet of education so that you know, it is expensive. Construction is expensive. But some of, of this stuff, again, you don't have to start over at a school. You can start making small changes but with big impact. And that's where understanding what are the needs of your community, what what would be the biggest bang for your buck, depending on what your, your either campus or district is, is maybe struggling with or sees the biggest need, and then focus on that. And then it becomes contagious because if one school has it and it's really successful and it's working well, everybody wants it. And so then you have kind of the momentum to either rally for a bond, depending, you know, and go out for a bond depending on where you live, or again, just get the community involvement so that every student in the district has that access and opportunity. It, it is so darn important. The other, and the last thing I want to talk about here, and this is Keen, you brought it up earlier, is uh, healthy schools. You know, the pandemic, everybody was concerned, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, but the pandemic, it, it, COVID's still around, but we've kind of got it under control, okay, the, you know, mm-hmm. as best we can. All right, so it's not yeah. stopping everybody from doing everything. That's I'll just right. say it that way, okay? But and I, let me give you an example, okay? Uh, my, my, my wife had to go uh, down to a, a school in Boston, all right. I don't know which school it was, and she went in there. It was a fairly large school, and there was exactly one working toilet. Oh. Okay, you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right, and mm-hmm. uh, you know there was ten of these fifty water fountains, whatever, weren't working. You know, you can write, go right down the list. Mm-hmm. And again, it's an example. All right, mm-hmm. but this this is bad. This is an unhealthy school. Okay, right. and we're sending kids into there, and I just want you to, want to speak. And this might be the first thing school has to do. Take care of like wellness, and especially in these days, you know, we always talk about social emotional learning. This stuff, if mm-hmm. things are dirty and the, the the pipes and air aren't working, this isn't going to make you socially and emotionally happy. Okay, not mm-hmm. the teachers, not the kids, not the administrators. Okay, right. So I just talk about the, the, that from from the PBK point of view. 
You know, I think you're you're right. It, it, you can talk about flexible furniture and you can talk about all of these wonderful things, but if your basic needs aren't being met, I think that's that's hard and that's challenging. And so I think, um, but I also I hear so much from the school district's perspective as well because it's easy sometimes to say, well, gosh, you know, fix this and do this, but yeah, the money. with yeah. the money, with yeah. the you know the staff that they're trying to you know balance and negotiate, um, yeah. a whole myriad of maintenance things that they have to take care of with limited budgets and 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 limited time. And so I think I think you're right. Getting the basic needs met is so important. We're doing we're seeing more and more um, what we're calling. I mean, we do a lot of facility um, condition assessments um, to uh. look at that and just categorize what are the needs of each district. And so we, uh, you know, we have a, an entire team that is so dynamic, and they go in Ooh. with, and we have engineers, and we have architects, and we have you know roof and building envelope consultants, and we look at it from every facet and square inch of that campus and we create a huge list of all of the potential needs but then we sit down with the district and we start to categorize and you start to quickly see these are critical has to happen within the next year or two from either a safety stance a aging infrastructure stance <clears throat> but then you start to see if we push this five years it, it would be okay if we push this 10 years this is a wish list and we'd love to have but it's not critical, but it helps the district very quickly categorize what their their needs are, not only from the infrastructure, but the financial impact. Um, and that also, if they defer some of those maintenance, what the impact or cost could be. And so we're seeing more and more um, districts have a better pulse on their infrastructure with mm -hmm. assessments like this, and then it helps them make informed decisions. It's a live, active database so that if they replace that chiller or, you know, if they fix that, you know, the, the door hardware at the campus or, you know, the drinking fountains that are become bottle fillers, they can now cross that off the list and move on to the next item. It also helps them, we, talked, we started with, you know, talking to the board, it also helps them show the data to their board of trustees or their you know, their constituents that might vote for a bond or, you know, support them in that of this is this is our need. And we might, you know, they might have a $2 billion need, but they might go out for a, you know, $500 million bond. But just to show we're being good stewards with your resources, but we do have a, a critical need. And so I think that's where, um, again, having the data and the information <laughs> to support the decisions being made is really important. It is. I'm going to ask you one last question. You've worked sure. on a lot of projects. You're a partner. We could do more at some other show, but I just got okay. So, what's been your favorite project so far? Okay, Gosh. the one that you thought was Can... really let me let me the one that you thought was really cool. Okay, okay. Is there well, one? I'll, I'll you share can do one, that... one. Just you know, sure. okay. I'll share of one. one that yeah. is one of my newest. Really cool. And I'm yeah. um, honored to work on it. It is a um, early childhood center. Um, in Houston, Texas, so there's a big push across the country, obviously, for early childhood education, which oh, yeah. is so exciting. Oh, yeah, very important, very important. This is a new early childhood center. It serves 558 pre-Kers um, huh. in one of the most diverse school districts and one of the poorest districts um, in in our city. And um, what I love about this project, besides the wonderful um, age of, of the, the students, <laughs> yeah, is we have changed how we look at learning and how we look at outdoor oh. learning. 
And so we actually for, were fortunate to partner with um, the Nature Conservancy, oh, the Children sure. in Nature Network, um, and we restored this site to be pocket prairies, wetlands. We had 200 trees donated, all at no cost to the district. Because oh again, God. as I go back to like to you rallying around the site your of the school, is this correct? The, the, or you built the school on this particular we, brand site? new school, and the site brand cost new, them nothing. And wow. what's exciting is that these are kiddos that don't have backyards. These are kids yeah, um, yeah, that yeah. don't have exposure to birds and butterflies, and now they do yes. in their schoolyard. And so it is changing the paradigm wow. of schoolyards. It is so exciting. But it also, the school district has had such success with it because, and we go back to this maintenance operations discussion, they don't have to mow it and maintain it in the same way they would grassy fields. They don't have to irrigate it because it's native and natural. And so I think it's such an exciting opportunity um, to rethink how we do schools and schoolyards and what really benefits these kids. And so they now have nature paths. They can see the changing in the seasons. They've been able to watch bird migration as they, it comes through because now there's a native habitat in their wow. schoolyard for this. So that's something I'm – I'm passionate about all you my projects, be. but that's one I'm particularly passionate I, about. I, I know you're proud of all your projects, but this one is really cool. That's what I wanted, really yeah. cool. You did good. It we'll do cool. more, I hope, Melissa. Thanks. It's great to know you. This is terrific. Thank you so much for uh. being here earlier in the day. It's only 835 <laughs> in magnificent <laughs> Texas. So yeah, <laughs> thank you. That coffee no really worries. worked this morning. I like it. That's all no I can worries. tell you. Thank uh, you. Yeah, thank you great. for the opportunity. We'll, we'll do more. I will honored. be in touch and I, I, I will be in touch. Okay. And we'll talk and we'll please. Okay. Take it please from there. Do. Thanks okay? so much for having me. Thank you, Melissa. This was just great. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay, everybody, that's Melissa Turnbaugh. And Melissa, I want to say it again, is at pbk.com. And she's the partner for National Education and Innovation. Uh, the architects, when I talk to architects, I mean, it's just, uh, they just know their stuff. All right. And it's really important these days to think differently about school architecture. And that's, that, that's something that's really happening out there. So it's pretty impressive. And that was great. Thanks, Melissa. I really enjoyed it. It's pbk.com. You check out some of this stuff. It's really pretty cool. Look under the innovation tab. It's neat. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, and that's where everything we do just happens to be. Uh, have a good weekend. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. We'll see you Monday.